we're going to be taking you through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> Look at yourselves, they're realistically here. Nobody's going to give you that money. Nobody. You don't know who the fuck you are. It's a complete risk. You are unknown. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. For now, you're just some pair of videos like everyone else. So <laughs> <laughs> we just go into it? I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm how, okay. how are How are you doing? How are you feeling? How are we feeling? Well, you know, well, I, uh, yeah, not too bad, I suppose. Although I hit uh, another year last week, so I'm kind of oh, a nice. year, a year older. Uh, yeah. And I had happy that. birthday, by the way. Happy birthday! Thank, thank you, thank you. Uh, I was actually on a shoot, strangely enough, while it was my birthday, and I spent three weird, lonely hours on my own after the shoot finished and the crew all left. And I was in this creepy country house, kind of well near Bath, and uh, sort of waiting for you know my family death. to come come along. Yeah, waiting for death, <laughs> uh, waiting for the family to come along to kind of you know greet me and do a happy birthday. But they were really late. So there was just this weird three hours on my own, uh, pondering my own mortality. And I thought, oh, oh God, God, it's not, you know, 49 is a little bit bleak. You know, it's, I should be coming out of the U-bend of, of unhappiness right now. I'm sort of middle age. <laughs> I think, have you heard of this idea, the U-bend of happiness or unhappiness? To the do with, bend of happiness. No. So apparently, apparently middle age, uh, you know, people, people getting depressed in their middle age is really a thing. And um, mm-hmm. the, but but it's there's basically a U bend, and uh, the pit of that U bend is about 48. So that was last me last year. So I right. should now be on the upward curve of that U bend. So from here on in, you know, depression shouldn't strike as often. I should accept my lot that little bit more. Um, I love that idea. I'm I'm looking forward to that. That but, sounds fantastic. But you're, but you're a few years younger than me, so you're still heading down towards the U bottom of the U bend. Yeah, it fucking <laughs> feels like it sometimes. I tell you, U <laughs> bend of happiness. That sounds it, that sounds like a toilet thing. Yeah. Well, I think I had a U bend of happiness this morning. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it was a very happy U bend experience. <laughs> But yeah, so I've been okay. I definitely have had a, I don't know what it is. It's also the change of the seasons this time of year with a sort of, um, with the shift towards, you know, kind of winter. There's that feeling of like, oh, another year's coming to an end. And all that kind of back to school feeling that you used to get, you know, the the seasons changing. And there's a lot lot of loveliness sides of sort of autumn, but there's also just, it just reminds me a, a bit of like, oh, coming to the end of the year. And this has not been a normal year, has it? Let's face it. No, not at all. I, I mean, I always find as well that whenever I approach my birthday, and maybe similarly to you, I'm in May, so it's the changing of seasons, yeah. which is always very provocative and brings back lots of memories. And I always have quite intense flashbacks on the lead up to my birthday. Yeah. But it, I also feel like in some way... Um, it's kind of uh, the the fact that our project's not really pushed forward in some way. Right? I know it, it's it's um, you know it just makes the the whole pandemic makes locking in. You know our film depends on a real kick ass location, very specific yeah. location as well. Of which there are probably tons empty at the moment, but we just couldn't put anybody in it. That's the thing. Problem is, is when you're doing things on a shoestring, 
you're not mm. paying people uh, and you aren't also able to go uh, help for leather with all the guidelines that you need to do because you need a COVID officer and that person needs to be trained and you've got to have PPE and you've got to make sure everybody is, um, as you know, hand washing and all the rest of it. So you kind of need a bit of infrastructure in place to make sure you can do it. And to do that on a shoestring and with asking lots of favours is where I think, you know, the idea of the film uh, is going to yeah. find some challenges. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. And also it just feels very far away at the moment in terms of having crews together. Because I don't know about you, but I'm becoming more and more of a hermit day by yeah. day by day. You know, I do all my work, uh, you know, virtually, you know, through kind of screens. And, you know, I'll have a Zoom meeting in the morning and then all my other work is kind of sent via internet. And I'm just sat. And also I'm kind of sat on a desk right by my bed yeah uh so i don't my kind of my footprint of of where i go during one day isn't very large i get up and go for a run in the mornings but um I, i'm kind of living this quite lo locked away life and it, it just it's just become normalized this kind of existence where you just kind of hide away yeah and things just tick over and just the idea of those days where you kind of get a big gang of people together have a crew and do a shoot it seems like a real stretch for me in my mind. I know it isn't, but it just, mm. I guess it's just, it feels so distant from my current situation. You know? Well, so what do we do? What's the, what, what can we do instead? Because I think, We've been we've been concerned, haven't we? We've been thinking about this. Yeah, well, you know, I I started looking back to our old when we started this podcast. We we had we had ideas in our head that we should kind of solidify some of the ideas into into like a manifesto, and I, yeah. and I found some of the old ones we, we'd written down. Oh, let's have a listen. Let's have a listen. Number one was never wait for permission, which was this kind of yeah. just start yep. uh, mentality, which is fantastic, which I think is absolutely true. Yep. Um, the second one we've, I've got written down here is weaponize your limitations. So whatever you, whatever's limiting you making your film, yeah. rather than being a, a roadblock, make them the reason why you make the film. So say if you can only, say if you say, say if you're saying, look, I can't make a film because the only free time I have is one afternoon every Sunday of the month. Right, yeah. well, that becomes, a st that's your film. You make a film, you know, for, the, for that amount of time and forever how long it takes, that becomes yeah. your, your, the, your form. Yeah. And also you can, you can then weaponize it in terms of that's the story of your, of your film once it's made. I'm, I'm the guy who made the film you know, and yeah, only, only yeah, shot yeah. for one hour every Sunday for a month, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so that was one. Then there was another one that was, this sounds a bit, this, this sounds a bit weird. Lo well, it doesn't sound weird, <laughs> but it sounds a bit, uh, sounds a bit airy fairy. Love and respect your cast and crew. They are your family. Oh, that's nice. That, I mean, we can kind of rewrite that to sound a bit more cool, but yeah, um, yeah. essentially the idea I like was. It. Look uh, after uh, people. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's looking after people as much as, you know, don't go into a project with with only your own personal gain, you know, and, you know, remember yeah. that if people are jumping on your project, you want people who love your project and will give everything to it, you know, for that reason, you should completely respect them and, and yeah. make sure they benefit as much as possible from the project. Yeah. Use what you have access to and tailor your story to those items. So that's that kind of Robert yeah. Rodriguez 
yeah, yeah. were talking about. And then there was one that we cut that I've written down from things we were saying really early on when we were looking at alternative distribution and stuff. And, uh, and we were kind of saying always seek the alternative as in maybe there's other ways mm. to do things, you know, uh, making a film, there's lots of conventions and tried and tested uh, paths that people take, but maybe there, you know, with, with new technology, with new systems, maybe there's alternative routes that you could take that could make a film for much cheaper. Uh, mm. And, you know, that's, that's a possibility too. So when I look back on those, I was, I was kind of really struck that, you know, they all sound great. And, and there's a kind of formula building there and a kind of ethos. And maybe we've kind of not been really taking those, you know, hundred percent to heart with routine. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, never wait for permission. Fantastic. But in a sense, we were kind of going, right, we need someone to say yes and give us a location or yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, allow us into a, a place that's perfect. And uh, Well, it's so because it's so location specific and exactly. uh, in a way cast specific, the uh, the kind of permission that we'd be waiting for would be either the resources to get those people all in the same place or yes a kind of a mad piece of luck and all of those things in a way are out of our hands and so yes um we don't have resources and we would be pulling in favors for for anything so and at the moment we have an extra restriction with with um you know physical distancing etc so yeah so we in a way it's like well is the idea just not going to work in that in that specific circumstance it's not going to fit that that uh one of our manifesto i mean to tell the story in the way that we want to tell it to make routine in the way we want to make it uh we would have to it it would be a stretch because it wouldn't really be us you know us weaponizing our limitations say it would mean yeah. that we'd have to work very hard to get specific locations to specific. overcome them yeah you are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. And what I did was I kind of went back and I looked at um, Chris Nolan's first film after we were talking a lot about Tenet last last episode. Yeah. And I went back to his film following, which he, he made in or he completed in, in 1998. Was it like a film, film school? Did he do it when he was at film school or something? He, or? Uh, he never went to film school. So he just yeah. did it in his own in his own time with with friends. Yeah. Uh, they shot it for about it's it says six thousand US dollars. So I guess maybe like four yeah. five thousand. I uh, seem to remember it's lots of shots of him walking around Soho and. It's yeah, all, it's Super 16 or black and white and very it's Super 16. Very yeah, kind of it, old school. It's, it's a really interesting film because it mm. was like it was a script that he completely tailored for low budget. Yeah. Um, uh, the, 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 the way he produced the film, the way they shot the film, you know, they were shooting at weekends pretty yeah. much because everyone had jobs. Um, and so it was shot over, I think it said it took a year to make and it took four months to shoot just because they were just having to grab bits whenever. Yeah whenever they could. And if you look at it as well, like the locations they use are clearly their flats, their friends' flats, their parents' house. Um, there's a bar in there, which they've obviously got. Maybe they had a mate who worked in the bar, but and none of, and none of the locations are perfect. They don't look that great, yeah. but they're there out of necessity. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, that's why they're being used. Even to the point where there's a scene in, um, 
in a cafe where the, the the protagonist he kind of like meets this guy who's been following he finally gets the tables turned on him and the guy who's following turns around and says look why are you following me and oh, that yeah. kind of sparks off sparks off the story and the cafe that, that this happens in is actually the canteen at, at the in the reception of frame store you know you know the post-production yeah house yeah in there, yeah in soho, in soho. Yeah. So either Chris Nolan or one of his friends was working in 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 their frame store, I presume. So it was, um, you know, they just got it at the weekend, and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like a cafe at all. Um, it's just a it's a little a little bar at the end of one end of the reception. Yeah. And even to the even to the point that it's got frosted on the windows, clearly in in the shot of shots of the film frame store on the side. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not great. It's not ideal, but it's what they had and it's what they had to settle for. Yeah. And did very very well for him. For him, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of watching it, I just thought maybe we it is just a switch in that mentality. And as much as I hate to say that Hadi was absolutely right when he gave us that bollocking in back in episode six, maybe this you know is... maybe it's a, yeah, a slight gear change and just a reality check and say, look, if we really want to make a film now, mm-hmm. right now, maybe there's some adjustments that uh, need to be made. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we would, in a way, we were sort of moving away from uh, routine a little bit. And we were thinking about um, the old man, of course, but then that still has us potentially traveling somewhere, locations, uh, you know, in a way, it's a kind of a road movie. So, you know, again, these things aren't impossible, but they kind of uh, mean things that, that they are still outside of what we have. So we are still yes. having to to find these things. So so what do we think? I mean, are we thinking really that we that we need a new idea, a new idea that could work within the the confines of what we actually have, or or work you know in lockdown literally uh, work within you know the fact that we're stuck inside. Uh, staring at a screen for much of the day. What 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 are you thinking? I remember that I had this script that I was writing before um, routine, and it was called Stutter, and it's all about this girl who has a stutter. She goes, she finds this kind of weird uh, hypnotist therapist guy online. Uh, he cures her of the stutter, but she starts to have these weird visuals and flashbacks. Uh, Realise that she's been taken advantage of by this uh, hypnotist while under. She blackmails him, asks, but you know, threatens to blackmail him unless he shows her how he does what he does. He has this very strange uh, blend of kind of hypnotherapies that he uses. He's a bit of a kind of snake oil salesman, really, when it comes to he, he's a bit dark. The fact that he's just been found off the internet, it's not. Um, yeah, he's not. He's not one hundred percent kosher. And she ends. He and he ends up teaching her these kind of techniques, and she becomes the controller then in 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 her relationships, mm. and goes goes a bit off, off the tracks, and then kind of has to return and correct herself by the end of the film. And it was this kind of story about control and hypnosis and and blah blah blah. And then as in, I kind of put the script to one side when I started to write routine, uh, and then after watching a couple of. I was watching a couple of documentaries recently about social media, like the great hack and mm. social dilemma and things like that. Yeah. And I thought, what if it was, what if we go deeper into this idea that she found this guy through the internet or he was some kind of guru that she found through social media. Um, uh, and then maybe hit the, his kind of control over her is a kind of comment on social media con- control of people. And yeah. the fact that she 
has a stutter. She's at the start of the film, she's very alienated and she's quite isolated, which we are all, all feeling at the moment. Mm. So I thought it'd be great for her to have a job that is very much like what we're doing now. It's kind of working remotely, working through the internet. So in a way she's quite isolated and kind of trapped in this little bubble. Uh, but then through this kind of uh, therapist, she starts to open up, but in not necessarily in a great, in a great way, but it's quite a lot to do about, um, there's lots of things in there thematically about memory and perception. Mm. Uh, so the fact that there's this kind of concept there, uh, the idea of the hypnosis means that we can have a lot of fun visually with yeah. what we see and what we show. And also, you know, as a strong concept, it means that we have a, a, a hook there that isn't necessarily reliant on us having a budget. You know, we'd have to show yeah. uh, physical certain things. It's very suggestive and it's kind of, um, you know, yeah. it's suggested rather than shown. Um, so I thought maybe, I thought what I thought I might do is write, rewrite that script that I had from this couple of years old now, but rewrite it uh, and tailor it completely for us shooting ourselves. Mm. Uh, in our locations, in our flats or in our the locations that we can grab fairly easily. And also write it, you know, write it as an 80 page script, no more. So it just, so it just feels really contained uh, and doable and seeing what we could make from that. So maybe this is the first, you know, something like that could possibly be the first step. Yeah. The first, and something that we could shoot quite quickly. Mm. We could say, right, what have we got? Have we got three grand, right? Maybe this is a feature when we shoot for three grand in, two weeks or something like that yeah. and just and and then that becomes the story like weaponize your weaponize your limitations that becomes the story of this film yeah no i mean i think it's uh got a lot of potential and i mean you you kind of mentioned the idea we, we kind of bounced a couple of emails around didn't we and um it mm. felt to me like it was quite akin the character that perhaps she meets could is quite akin to a few of these sort of Instagram internet gurus that, that seem to be popping up. And you, you kind of think in comparison to, you know, 60s, 70s and 80s, where uh, people were lured into the Moonies or, or the Scientologists or whatever by, you know, oh, I wandered into this strange shop on Tottenham Court Road and somebody sort of gave me this book and then I went to a meeting. <laughs> and then I, now, actually, where are people being uh manipulated we know for sure pol politically it's through social media uh and through advertising we're, we're being manipulated all the time um through you know instagram and facebook etc uh and i'm wondering as well about that sort of self-help angle that kind of you know make yourself better kind of uh enhance your your personality kind of create recreate yourself but with um you know through the sort of filter of a screen because like yeah. like you say, this is our reality, um, and the world that um, that you describe as the sort of the, in the in you know the first incarnation perhaps has changed even in the last two three years since you you wrote that script. So I think you know sort of uh, adapting to that reality seems sort of sensible, and it it does feel very of the moment because my goodness, are we all at the uh, the will of whatever happens in this rectangle in front of us and the things that, yeah, have, that come yeah. on there and the the uh, places we find ourselves and the things that the algorithm suggests that we uh, that we look at next and uh, you could imagine there's a whole interesting side to to that and the you know some some kind of 
uh, awareness of human psychology, frailty, and um, and then perception shift as a result of you know the sort of distorted reality that we all we all experience yeah. sat online. So it's got a lot of um, a lot of interesting aspects, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because when I first wrote it, it, it was it was the, the the kind of interactive social media technology side of it was wasn't really it was quite thin it wasn't really important to to the story yeah. and plot but she did kind of have this she kind of heard about him and then it was an it was an app basically that she she downloads and through the app she communicates with him and what have you but then just in the light of everything that's happened yeah you're you're quite right in those i think it's a couple of years since i wrote that script things have changed so much yeah. um that i thought right we could really amp this up and turn this into a a, a story about the technology that we have every day yeah. and its influence on us and you know it's almost i can almost fi- if see it having this kind of feeling of almost like a folk horror you know that kind of genre that we, we talk about quite a lot yeah. we love so much but instead of it it but it's a technology based folk horror it's a kind of a modern version of a folk horror where the thing that we that is threatening and and and, and disturbing this this woman's life it's something that we use every day, but actually does. We don't have to. We don't have to uh, convince people that this thing, this thing, this technology we communicate with each other with every day has a has a sinister start. Has a dark side. It really does have a dark side. We know that already. It's, we're we're kind of compliant in the fact that we, you know we know that. Um, so it's not a massive leap, but it is a film that kind of takes that worry and fear about the internet and about technology mm. and makes it quite personal this girl is getting twisted and affected by it mm. started writing it so hopefully i should have some something fairly soon mm. but I, i'm i'm quite into this i the, this idea of perception mm. and the, our reality as we as we think we see it or as we perceive it is it's just our brain's best estimation of what is actually going on in the real world so everything we see in in here is our brain's simulation of what they what he what our brain thinks reality is yeah. like and what's going on so everything we see outside that we perceive to be outside of us is all in our minds mm. and so it, play, it plays with that idea quite a lot in in the script well in, in a weird way the because uh, it's sort of a you know buddhist concept isn't it the concept of maya mm. and sort of uh, the fact that we have a veil of 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 uh, illusion in front of us in a, in a weird way the uh, internet and the um the digital world that we live in now is almost like an externalization of that <laughs> before yeah. beforehand we we had it was the case that we had this kind of layer of you know uh of i suppose fantasy sort of over of of what reality was like uh, over us now it's become uh hard and it is now shaped 
with a slight beveled edge uh it is a rectangle yeah. it's it's amazing and and that we project ourselves into that world um you know knowing that in some way we are creating an illusion so it's like a an, an illusion on top of a, a, an already established illusion in some yeah. way isn't it my boy Elfie uh brought around his vr headset oh gosh yeah he, for, for his birthday he got bought a virtual reality which, headset. so which type is it because i know there's a few different types i'm such um, a dinosaur it's called ocular uh, oc oculus yeah oculus rift oculus. Or, yeah. and it is absolutely fantastic and i've experienced vr before uh but this you know even this one that is now very affordable you can buy your own vr headset and have it in your home um it's just so advanced now, yeah. VR. yeah yeah and and for example, I put the headset on and the waiting room, the kind of holding room that you find yourself in when you first go in, it's like some beautiful palatial, uh, you know, yeah. apartment in, in, in the Hollywood Hills, it looks like, or somewhere. And you instantly have this feeling that you are on holiday. <laughs> you have endorphins released. You start to relax. Oh. You start to look at the beautiful sky and the birds flying past. And you have this kind of overwhelming kind of feeling of peace and relaxation. Yeah. And then you choose where you want to go. And and um and i was kind of amazed by the fact that how easy it is that your brain is tricked into thinking that this is now reality yeah. you know say if something gets too close to your head you duck if you pick something up with your hands you 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 believe you can feel the, the texture of it and then say you can't but your brain's kind of filling in the gaps mm. and it's amazing how quickly your brain fills in those other you know it kind of fills in the, the you know the dots um you know if if you float through the air you feel like you're lighter you're floating and it's just incredible yeah. and it, it made me think that you know like we're saying this idea of, of perception maybe it is that the reason because then i started thinking well the brain's very sophisticated why can't it tell that i'm looking at a tv screen this is i can see i can feel that he's got a thing on his head this isn't real so then i'm not gonna be tricked by mm. it but your brain is and i, and I was wondering whether it's because your brain knows that it that's what your brain does it drill it deals in simulations or fabrications of reality in order to get you from a to b yeah. so the fact that you're replacing your reality with a, another simulated reality mm. does make a difference does it your your brain just goes right well yeah this is reality well the, the fact is that the all uh, art forms that have kind of come before um vr obviously vr is the most sophisticated in terms of immersing you in that space mm. and needs less imagination than almost all art forms previous you know storytelling art forms or or whatever i mean all of them in in some ways require you to take some sort of leap of of faith don't they so you know cinema when it first came out people in the cinema were and the 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 the, the classic train coming towards the yeah. screen people were running out of the um the cinema but uh but of course we be, we quickly become sophisticated in our awareness of of it as a medium uh but we still like the immersion in it so of course cinema is full of loads of um of uh, of cheats you know uh the cut yeah. the cut I mean, I, you know, I've got the the classic text here in the blink of an eye. Uh, the uh, Walter yeah, Murch yeah. just sat in front of me, um, and um, you know, the cut is obviously an artificial 
uh, experience for a human being, although Walter Murch describes it as akin to a very quick head movement or the blink uh, or what have you. Mm. So that he says a cut works because effectively it's your attention being on one thing and then your attention being on another thing. So we forgive the fact that there isn't continuity between that one shot and the next shot with a whip pan or with a move or anything. Um, but we forgive it because in a way we we uh, allow ourselves to to be swallowed up by it. And you know, even before cinema, obviously uh, on the stage when you saw a play, we know that it's just some people in front of us and they're dressed up and there's a set uh, and that's fine. But we still get absorbed by the the narrative. We still get absorbed yeah. by the story. And yes, it takes a little bit more of our imagination. But I still wonder, and I don't know what you think, and maybe, you know, playing around mm. with LV's uh, Oculus Rift will give you an idea, but is there a space for for uh, narrative filmmaking in that world? Because so much about narrative filmmaking is the the author, the editor, the director, the whatever, um, guiding you down a specific sequence of uh, yeah. images. And we've talked a little uh, bit about um, this before, but when you've got the potential to look anywhere you want, where is the storytelling? I don't know. It's a troublesome idea, isn't it? You're not quite sure. I mean, in a way, it's more of a... Once you kind of put those on and you, and you play with it a little bit, and then I was watching Elvie playing with it myself, it's, it's, you, it's not such a leap to imagine a world where it's all like Ready Player One. Yeah. And that's how people will live a lot of their life <clears throat> in this kind of virtual landscape. And it's all about f like watching narrative film. Um, you know, Elvie was telling me, you know, there's places in there's virtual places where you can go and watch films and it looks like you're watching a massive screen. So there's yeah. still the idea of a cinema yeah, screen, yeah, yeah. but you're just in a virtual space watching it. And it's like, it's almost like a pay-per-view uh, idea where you can watch the latest film and it looks like you're sat in a theater, wow. but it's completely virtual. So you're kind of going to the cinema in a virtual. Well, that's virtual almost the world. only place that we'd be get, getting to go to the cinema at the moment. That's, isn't this bizarre? I don't know if you have ever experienced um, lucid dreams. Have you ever had a lucid dream yeah. where you're sort of aware that you're you're dreaming in some senses? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I've used to have a lot and occasionally still get them now. Um, uh, and uh, the, in a way, there's a sort of there's a sort of moment if you think about normal dreams. Well, normal dreams, you sort of in some way passively experience the story of that dream, and it can be quite traumatic. Um, and it can be quite, um, you know, exciting or it can be just very confusing and odd. And so you may experience a, a dream either in the first person or the third person. And there's a lot of, mm. a lot of, you know, where I think cinema was um, the birth of sort of cinema in a way, I, I think is, but I would, I would argue that in some way it was trying to recreate a dream experience for us, it, but it was also built upon, you know, uh, drama and um, narrative and, and um, theatre, um, yeah. but I wonder whether the the, the sort of uh, the lucid dream, where suddenly you're aware you're dreaming, and you can make a decision. 
Well, actually, uh, I'm ah, oh, I know I'm dreaming now, and this is always sort of happens to me. Oh, hang on a minute, I'm dreaming, and the first thing I generally choose to do is, well, that means I can fly, so I'll just start, I'll start flying, yeah. and that generally is what happens. Yeah. And I think, in a way, the lucid dreams almost more akin to the VR experience or the the computer Absolutely, game experience, yeah. although you know. <clears throat> um, uh, in a way the computer game is probably still more limited because it's because you have this amazing feeling of the lucid dream where you can uh conjure things up in front of you that you just thought you yeah. know uh often it, often often <coughs> the, the lucid experience isn't a hundred percent as in you're lucid for some of it and mm. it will slip a little bit and then you go oh no, hang on a minute, i'm dreaming so this bad thing yes. that started to happen i can change it or i can i can just switch it off right yeah the vr thing was very reminiscent of lucid dreaming and, and dreaming generally because when, once you took the headset off you felt like you had been very much in an other place mm. Uh, very much like when you wake from a dream. Yeah. Um, that was my experience. But funny enough, talk about lucid dreaming. I had a kind of a funny experience in a lucid dream a couple of years ago. In that I became, as you do in lucid dreams, you kind of suddenly become aware. Yeah. You kind of go, hang on, this Isn't is, oh, yeah. I get, oh, I get it. This is a, I'm in a dream, yeah. right? I right. know Kung Fu. And I, was, <laughs> I know Kung it's very, Fu. It's very the and, Matrix. And I was kind of looking around, kind of going, oh, right, okay, this is a dream. This is nice. And very much like I was in the e, in the VR, I was kind of enjoying the landscapes. And the, I was like, oh, this is nice. Look, there's the sky yeah. and there's a building and da-da-da. And there was, a, there was a newspaper sat on the table next to me. And I said, well, how what's the kind of detail in this lucid yeah, dream? Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I pick up this newspaper, can I read yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I picked up a newspaper and there was an article on it and I it like almost like hurt my eyes because I was just trying to it's focus It's often hard so to much. read in dreams though, isn't it? It's a hard... Yeah, and there, was these word, and there was these words kind of coming into focus and then dropping yeah, away yeah. again. I was really just, all my concentration was going into, I want to be able to read yeah. this article I, I, I was i was basically <laughs> wanted to test the complexity of my lucid yeah. dream was it going to go down in such microcosmic detail of your own simulation it, it, <laughs> yeah yeah and it almost got there and then kind of dropped away and i was like and it kind of i think it dropped away into just kind of like blocks yeah and it was almost it was almost seeing the kind of you know it's like again this kind of comparison to computer graphics yeah yeah it was that kind of you know the designer of the computer game thought we're not gonna have to go into we don't the detail need to of putting put anything words on, on the, the newspaper. Paper. No, no <laughs> idiot's ever gonna read that. <laughs> no, he'll just walk, he'll just walk past that. Yeah, and he's gonna it. kill something fine. over fact, there. He's got some gold yeah. over there. He wants to fly. Yeah, but the fact that and it kind of it always makes me giggle. The fact that I had to, I picked up this paper and I was like, come on, come on, let's see what you got, lucid dream. Can I read yeah. this paper? And I just couldn't. I just well, it's couldn't also do it. you're, it you're saying to your own. Uh, subconscious in some way come on how clever yeah. am i you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well i've i've certainly had you know one particularly mind-blowing lucid dream uh kind of you know one not so long ago um about a year ago and one when i remember when i was at college and i was doing drama at college so there was and i was writing and i was doing a lot of you know stories sort of thinking about story and everything and the mm. kind of stories that I was into when I was at college was very meta. So it was very much, you know, mm. uh, the, you know, the, so I suppose that sort of postmodern awareness of stories within stories and all of that kind of stuff. So the one I had at college was 
you know, it was properly all the way out there. I was suddenly, Mind yeah, it was, stuff. it was, it was, you know, Christopher Nolan, eat your heart out. If I could put it on the screen uh, through some kind of, you know, mind to screen transference, it would be, it would be killer. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, it was basically, um, I was suddenly aware that I was in a dream and all of the other characters that I was meeting in the, this dream were me because of course they were. Right. And then yeah. I and I would right. go up to some of the characters and say, "Well, but you so you are actually me because I'm dreaming and you, I've just created uh, you as a character." And they would It was a bit Malkovich. It Malkovich. really was. And uh, and they would say to me, <laughs> "Yeah, now you're starting to understand." And I'd be like, "Oh, oh, oh my god." I and I so I literally <laughs> blew my own mind from the inside. <laughs> And there were loads of moments where I would see myself going, uh, you know, walking down a, a road, which had been a moment in the dream earlier where I was in the first person. So there were moments where I jumped from the first to the third person. So, wow. I mean, it was one of those really, um, you know, memorable dreams. And I, I think I even tried to make a kind of uh, film slash uh, theatre performance out of it at college but with the with wow. with uh, sort of super eight and slides it didn't really come across quite as well as wow. <laughs> I would have loved yeah, to have yeah. seen that well play. I think it would have been wouldn't have been as memorable as the uh, as the experience itself but yeah I remember having a dream once where I dreamt I went to live on an island in Thailand or somewhere for a year and then I and it was it, it, talking about Nolan-esque dreams. Yeah. It was a it was a dream that felt like it was playing out in real time. It, it wasn't edited or it wasn't a montage in any yeah. way. And I went and I got a job on the island and I settled in and I started meeting the locals and they became my friends. Yeah. And I settled in and I started to feel like a local. And then I met this girl and we started going out. We started having a relationship. Yeah. You had sex in the dream, though, didn't you? You had sex. Uh, yeah, we had sex in the dream, and then and then we uh, and then we uh, and then we split up after a couple of wow. months, maybe. Yeah. And then she started going up. This other guy who I know from the area, and it was all a bit like, oh, oh. no, you know, the thing. Oh no, my ex girlfriend's now going out with that guy. He was my friend, yeah. and it was all weird. And I remember I got to the point where I was like, Do you know what? I think I'm going to go back to London now. I feel like I've been in the here. dream. You decided this in some way, and I woke up back in London, and I had just the, the a very real sensation that I'd left the country for at least six yeah. months. Uh, and, I, and in my head, I had this whole piece of life that I'd yeah. lived uh, mapped, mapped out. And I had all the memory of it. Oh all. my God. And it was in my mind and it was implanted in my mind as not as if it had been a dream, but it felt like it, the timeline went way, way yeah. back uh, for, for a substantial amount it's of time. All, it it's sad. all very Christopher Nolan, isn't it? I do know that he yeah. is, um, He's a lucid dreamer as well, and he's talked about it in um, a podcast that I listened to, you know, two or three years ago. Um, and yeah. it does sort of feel like, I mean, certainly Inception feels like um, that it would be informed by that as a sort of story idea, you know, that you would be self-aware in the dream and that in some way you could manipulate the dream's outcome and uh yeah. that and also obviously the concept of sort of time being very different in the dream space um that you know like, yeah. like you said you had six months in your dream and then you woke up and you were uh it was just you know f probably in that last hour of your actual sleep because this yeah, is absolutely, the, this is yeah. the other thing amazing thing i read about lucid dreams and um 
is that generally they happen at that last little bit of sleep and they and they are yeah. the the i mean this is only something i've read but 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 the if you wake up sort of early in the middle of the morning like four or five o'clock in the morning and then you don't go back to sleep often you feel a bit ratty and grumpy not necessarily just because you're tired but because you didn't get the last bit of sleep that you need which is a special kind of sleep uh, yeah. and that special kind of sleep is there to resolve problems apparently so you know all of these things are, uh, are speculations generally but um so that last little bit of sleep, often where the lucid dreams come, is where you resolve a lot of your emotional issues and, and problems. And so the lucid dream part of that makes a lot of sense. As in, well, it's kind of you're, you're active in the dream in some way. And as a result of that, you can imagine that, you know, if you're able to sort of kind of resolve things and be conscious of those resolving those things, it, it would feel like you were more in control of your problems in some way. It's like um, Charlie Kaufman's another filmmaker. Yeah. I, I find is kind of very in tune with dream states. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of his films play out like memories and dreams, and yeah. they follow dream logic, don't they? Quite a lot, which kind of frustrates a lot of people I know. But I always think you should always watch his films as if you are experiencing a dream or a memory. They're not going to make sense logically necessarily, but they are very accurate when it comes to how you experience weird narratives characters yeah. and feelings in a in a dream state yeah and i mean of course our other favorites louis bumwell and david lynch are sort of masters of the um of the kind of dream logic and um you know uh, in some ways defying uh the logical sequence that we would normally attribute to to sort of narrative uh by just putting yeah. su the surprising contrast that you have from from one moment to another that often happens in a dream all this talk about um stories and dreams it's um our our, our thing last time wasn't that much of a success was it our automatic plot generator no i mean weirdly you know a computer could probably come up with kind of an accidental dream logic uh in some ways mm. because it's sort of the the disconnect between uh one scene and another but it, it was i mean alice alison giant bulb the, the, yeah. the granddad eating lion was kind of dream logic i thought maybe <laughs> it, was, it was sort of nightmare logic that's for sure <laughs> the the best the best example i was going to mention the best example of dream logic that i have ever sort of experienced i mean obviously we love lynch and uh Bunuel and like you say charlie kaufman um this sort of does a good job uh, of that kind of thing and in a way these things are great uh, antidotes to the um you know the 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 perfectly formed three act kind of film um, but mm. the one book that i think is a great um example and it and i i seem to remember reading it on holiday and it was one of those things that transported me to so many different places there's a book called the the unconsoled by ishiguru um so ishiguru wrote the remains of the day so sort of london uh, british based uh the japanese heritage uh writer very well known and uh the 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 uh the unconsoled is is so weird in its in its experience because it has that exact feeling of being in a dream 
a, a kind of person arrives in a foreign country and he has a bunch of appointments that he can't quite remember why he has the appointments and he meets people yes. and, and he discovers his own son that he didn't realize he had and then he discovers the, the mother of his son and he can't really remember having uh, had a relationship with but he kind of goes with it and it's this this kind of uh, this sequence of events that just are stranger and stranger and stranger but the the, the it's the 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 protagonist's uh, reaction to all this strangeness which is so dreamlike yeah which is that that rather than you know uh, where a normal narrative where somebody's thrown into into an unusual situation this is the antagonist to their whatever um they they get they get surprised angry upset it shows their fatal flaw all this kind of you know film school stuff mm. in, in the unconsoled he doesn't he kind of goes with it and it's just weird because he accepts all the things that happen to him sometimes they're quite dark sometimes they're quite unusual mm. but he kind of goes along with it and and i think Benwell does a brilliant job of that in um you know, discreet charm of the bourgeoisie and, and that, and yes. you kind of, you're in the, you know, they're trying to have this meal, the, the fact that there's this group of friends are constantly trying to have this meal. It's constantly interrupted by madder and madder things. It kind of upsets them, but they just sort of go on to the next thing. And so in loads of ways, I think there's something to be learned that takes us beyond the film school, three act, five act structure that, yeah. that, is them a magic, a deep magic that maybe maybe yes. we experience in dreams, and the lucid dream being even a almost a heightened level of that. That's yeah, which I mean, like we like we said before in earlier podcasts, you know, uh, cinema films is the closest thing we have to to our to our dreams, isn't yeah. it? It's 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 a very very similar experience, yeah. like we um we said with Prano, we didn't did. we? And of course, we should probably we should probably say like if if anyone listening to this wants to listen back to some old interviews that we've got, past interviews we've had some great interviews with directors like Prano, Bailey yeah. Bond, Mark Casey Brown, David Cecil, uh, Jamie Ross Hume. Um, so go back to our 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 past catalogue yeah. of uh, super it's, hits. It's you know we've we've we're, we're racking up quite a selection of fantastic DIY filmmakers. You are listening to DIY Cinema Cult. And in some ways, uh, you know, the, 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 the events of the past five, six years probably, uh, but certainly the last year have been more bizarre, more dreamlike, more fantastical than any other era. So in a way, Absolutely. you know... Um, realism doesn't cut it anymore we probably we've got to we've got to go deep and uh into this we've got to go deeper yeah. we've got to go i think deeper. it's almost the only way so um i think i think yeah. we're probably along the right uh along along the right tracks here so um all right mate well i've got to put little bubba to bed nice one that was good all right, unexpectedly man. deep and psychedelic <laughs> yeah i liked it i liked it we're going deep into this <laughs> Bye-bye, darling. Good night. Bye-bye. Goodbye, lovely. Love you. Sweet dreams. May you be aware <laughs> Sweet of your lucid dreams. dreams. <laughs> and read the small print in your lucid dreams. Pick up a paper. Yeah.
Have it's, a read. Imagine if I picked up the paper and it was just a pair of tits. That that's, probably would have. That's. I mean, that's, that's just. Why it, that's just that's why it blocked it out. It was like you don't want to see how embarrassing your own subconscious is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Lovely chatting. I'll Cheers, speak to you mate. soon. See you later. Bye, Goodbye, listeners. Bye, listeners. on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com